0: Hello and welcome to the Anita Pro Show, where we talk about the role Bitcoin plays in enabling economic empowerment for individuals and communities by providing fair and open access to a global financial network. Today, I'm speaking with a Bitcoin enthusiast from Africa. Because of his longtime interest in Bitcoin, he has a lot of experience on how cryptocurrencies are being used within the continent. He has been traveling a lot and as a business owner himself, he has made connections with Bitcoin traders and convicted holders. I invited him to get more insights on how cryptocurrency and Bitcoin adoption will gain momentum in Africa. This is an audio-only episode and you can listen to it in your favorite podcast app. If you want to try something new, listen to it in a lightning-enabled podcast app like Breeze or the Fountain app. Thanks for supporting my work go out to the Human Rights Foundation, Paxful, Leden, OKCoin and to all of you, individual donors, who make Bitcoin for Fairness possible. If you want to listen to these episodes without ads in between, you can become a patron on patreon.com. And for a small monthly subscription, which supports my work, you can listen to these episodes without ads. If you want to learn more about Bitcoin, go and get my book, It's one of the best books to understand not only the question of why the world needs Bitcoin, but also how you can use it to send, receive and safely store your Bitcoin. Now it's also available as an audiobook. You can find it at LearnBitcoin.link. And now on to the interview. Hello, Joseph. Welcome to the Anita Poshow. show. I'm glad that you're here.
1: Thank you for having me, Anita. It's my pleasure to be
0: here. You're an African crypto and Bitcoin enthusiast. And I think you have been that for several years now. Um, Can you please start with introducing yourself? Like, um, What did you do before you found that way of a profession, maybe? What you're doing at the moment in the crypto space? Um, So how did you start that? And when did you hear about Bitcoin the first time? I've been... Um, knowledgeable about Bitcoin, I'd say probably about 2013 uh, didn't manage to get my hands on it at that time but uh, two years later I began to know about uh, Bitcoin. However, uh, prior to
1: me dealing or transacting in Bitcoin I used to work at a technology blog uh, we would write uh, a lot about the opportunities of the internet uh, in Africa and what African people can do using the internet, how they can use it for more uh, than just playing Candy Crush or um, Metal Gear Solid or various video games, but it can be a life-changing tool uh, to help you.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I know that there are a lot of problems with money and transacting money in many African countries and also with high inflation. Um, Under that, like one of those countries is Zimbabwe, for instance. So, can you tell us about those problems a little bit and how Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies can be a solution to that?
1: Um, Definitely. I have spent some time in Zimbabwe, coincidentally, that you ask, and uh, I do have some experiences. Uh, in Zimbabwe, the biggest challenge that people have is a trust issue. Um, people do not trust the establishment.
0: People do not trust the government. People do not trust the banking
1: system. And because they do not trust it, they seldom keep their money in the banking system. As soon as somebody receives a payment, uh, the reason why you see a lot of queues. Uh, that are there in places like Zimbabwe is because um, people don't trust. You know, they want to get their money and hold it. Uh, And so the opportunity for crypto uh, exists in a place like Zimbabwe because people can be self-custodial of their funds. There's challenges with holding on to cash. It's a security risk, uh, number one. Number two, if God forbid um, rats, something real in Africa, Uh, rats, cockroaches, uh, various pests get wind of where you are hiding your money, to them it's food, you know, Uh, and not necessarily they look at it and say we can spend this at the shop, but that's, that's, it's, that's funny
0: that you say that, because I never thought about that. You're the first one. I've talked to many people about the problems of cash and, and money in African countries, but nobody was speaking about that, but I understand we've,
1: that... We've seen a number of memes online of uh, people having killed, a rat, they ate their, their money, their cash, you know, so it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people keep their cash not in the banking system, but prefer to keep it at home because they trust, when they want to use it, they would like to use it. They don't have to seek permission, they're not governed by any restrictions, any limits, um, things like that. So people have a tendency to want to off-ramp from the banking system and so they keep cash. Uh, Crypto presents an opportunity in a place like Zimbabwe to help people uh, have their value on them, but in a digital format, and not in a physical. So physical, depending on how much you're moving around, uh, I know I've heard of instances in places like Zimbabwe uh, that you know people have one dollar notes. This is American dollar, uh, one dollar, five dollar, ten dollar to move around with something like a hundred dollars, easy. Move around with something like 10,000, 20,000, 50,000 in these small denomination notes becomes a bit of um, an attraction. People are now seeing that, hey, this guy's got a bit of stash with him. And so um, the thieves and various people now want to have a word with you. And so the the opportunity with crypto is that. This is now in a digital form, um, and it's all on your device. Uh, some people, A lot of people use mobile devices and they can store their money on their mobile devices. Okay. Uh, I think Zimbabwe is one of the best places uh, to explain this because a lot of people in Zimbabwe, because of the cash crisis that they've been through, a lot of people use their, their mobile money uh, that's available in Zimbabwe. I think it's called... Um, what is it called?
0: Uh, EcoCash.
1: Right? Yes, that is that is what it's called. It's called EcoCash. A lot of people use EcoCash in Zimbabwe. And so for them, they're used to having their money stored on their mobile device. And so migrating to crypto, um, the only thing they now have to do is they have to trust the network. With EcoCash, I think... Um, The EcoCash provider, the EcoCash company, if something goes wrong, somebody has an office and a place to go to and say, hey, it's not working.
0: And I also heard that, or saw it last year maybe, that the government then imposed limits. They tell EcoNet, the provider of EcoCash, You are not allowed to allow more than two accounts or one account per uh, SIM card or uh, there are transaction limits and also you have this um, tax on every single digital transaction people do. I guess you've heard about that. I think it's not, it was, last year it was 2% and now it's even 4% I heard. And um, if you use Bitcoin, nobody can take that from you because you are in control.
1: Definitely using crypto, uh, you become self-custodial, uh, you can use your, your funds as and when you want, as much as you would want. Um, you spoke about limits, uh, something that crypto helps people uh, in various entities, Malawi equally highly inflationary, uh, Nigeria very highly inflationary, uh, Zimbabwe that you talk about. So uh, people in those countries I'm sure would appreciate uh, the solutions that um, Bitcoin brings to them.
0: So in my work about like how Bitcoin is adopted in Zimbabwe, I researched a lot and I found out that in 2016, I think there was even a Bitcoin ATM in Harare where you could exchange Bitcoin to US dollars. Um, but then I heard that um, the company was dissolved or, or like they had to stop doing their work they did because the government or the Reserve Bank told them to do it. So I'm wondering, maybe you know something about that, is Bitcoin banned in Zimbabwe or not?
1: Um, I've, had, I've got a few friends in Zimbabwe uh, that have helped me to understand what the position is. There. Um, the feedback they've given me is that uh, it is not Bitcoin that is banned. What is banned is the financial institutions, or rather let me not use the word banned. What is regulated, financial institutions are are regulated and not allowed to offer financial services to any person, company or entity dealing in crypto. So if anybody happens to be transacting in crypto and the bank finds out, the bank are obligated to no longer extend services to you and hence close your bank account. So that is the feedback I've got from colleagues in Zimbabwe. They've told me the situation on the ground. One is allowed to transact in Bitcoin. However, the minute you get onto the banking rails uh, the bank and, and the bank finds out they're meant to kick you off and not allow that particular uh, person to enjoy banking services.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the great thing about Bitcoin, that you don't need banking services. That's the idea behind it. Indeed. indeed. So I'm I'm sure you also heard of the ban on Bitcoin and crypto in Nigeria. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that? Very much similar
1: to Zimbabwe. um, The same directive was given by the Central uh, Bank of Nigeria. telling uh, the banking institutions not to offer any services to anybody dealing in crypto. So uh, cryptocurrency is not banned in Nigeria. What is banned, or or rather what is regulated, are the financial institutions. They are not allowed to offer any services to anybody dealing in crypto. So like Zimbabwe, that's um, the same that's going on that side.
0: What would you say, from your experience, are the most are the countries in Africa with the highest Bitcoin adoption, like usage from people?
1: Uh, I'd say it's it's in Nigeria, uh, mainly because of uh, a broken banking system. Number one, but number two, you're also dealing with a large populace uh, that are in Nigeria. Um, de, de, I'm, I'm gonna lightly say this, but uh, you've got a lot of 419 scams coming out uh, from places like Nigeria.
0: What is a 419
1: scam? Uh, online, I've got a Nigeria I've got a prince uncle um, that needs uh, some money. Could you send some money so we can unlock uh, this value? Those online scams that happen through, through emails. Um, so, those 419 scams, they are done a lot of times by Nigerians. And so, the adoption in, I, I, I wouldn't want to say that's, that's driven adoption of crypto in Nigeria, but uh, because of um, a broken banking system, number one. Number two, uh, they've got a large diasporan community uh, that are also in Western countries and have embraced these technologies. And so when one wants to remit funds back home, uh, a lot of times it's easier to do this in the form of crypto because it's permissionless, it's, you know, there's a lot of advantages doing it through crypto than doing it through uh, the normal regu- regulated means.
0: Mm-hmm. and they are also very tax-savvy Nigerians are Yeah,
1: I'll give that to them, yes they, they are very tax-savvy mm-hmm.
0: I think another country with very high adoption is Kenya, I saw a recent report about that, Kenya and then I think South Africa but I don't know how you would describe that being an African I'm a European, but South Africa is I think the most European like African nation, right?
1: Indeed, um, so South African is is a lot of times um, you find mobile money has failed to take off in South Africa uh, by and large because they've got a working banking system. Um, Because their banking system works people have no need for alternatives. Uh, There is adoption on the lower end of the market uh, the lower class, Um, a lot of them are using uh, mobile money um, in South Africa but Uh, The bulk of the country has a a working banking system available for them. So their need and appetite for crypto uh, is not necessarily to get away from this broken banking system, but it's because people now have excess money and would like to dabble in the area of investing. Um, So you find a lot of times people in South Africa are buying Bitcoin, are buying uh, the various various other altcoins for what they are and not necessarily for what they can do. So people are buying Bitcoin because they believe in Bitcoin long term. Uh, the Nigeria sorry the South African rand has had its own problems, you know, in terms of exchange rate with the US dollars, but not as bad as other countries in their region. So maybe people also want to um, get out of the rand into something a bit more long-term valuable uh, and hence people are now, uh, I'd say a lot of times people in South Africa are investing in crypto then they are using it for what it can do for them.
0: Yeah, there's a small village in South Africa in Mossel Bay Um, where they are trying to set up a circular Bitcoin economy. So they are using the Lightning Network for fast and private micropayments. Nice. And the surf coaches earn their salary for the surf lessons in Bitcoin. And then they go to their township and they, um, um, like, convinced 10 of 17 Spasa shops, you know, those little shops, to accept... The mom and pop shops. The mom and pop shops, exactly, to accept uh, Bitcoin. So the surf coaches go home and buy their groceries in those stores. And now the great thing now that has happened is that there's an online site called BitRefill where you can buy, in South Africa, you can buy um, vouchers for pick and pay and checkers via BitRefill and Lightning. So now even the shop owners can buy themselves vouchers for pick and pay via Lightning and then go to the pick and pay and pay wow. that way. Wow. So the circular economy, the chances of it surviving, are now much higher. So um, yeah, the, I think these are great projects that show or go to show or want to show that also, let's say it, um, people lower income people or who have less possibility to save Bitcoin can also use it, because for me that's that's the most. Saving money is important too in Bitcoin, but using it as a payment rails, like what you said, um, they're not uh, buying it to hold it, but use it, because that's the thing that Bitcoin gives you, this permissionlessness, openness, borderlessness. Like there are millions of Zimbabweans in South Africa and wanna send money to their family's home, and they do it already with Bitcoin. I've heard that just today on Twitter, um, where I was tweeting about the lightning payment I did. And they told me, yes, they know someone in Zimbabwe who has done it, or in Nigeria, or in Malawi. And that's great to see.
1: Yeah, so, so definitely one of the things in Africa, you have a large uh, segment of the market who are getting into crypto, not because they believe in that particular cryptocurrency, but they believe in what it can do for them. So it's actually a means to an end. And in Africa, because payments are broken, uh, people are using cryptocurrency as a means of payment by and large. very few people are buying to huddle uh, and looking at uh, the next five, 10 years, will this project go up, will it go down? Very few. A lot of people want to move value from one jurisdiction to another, from one city to another at the quickest and cheapest means possible. Because a lot of people in Africa are watching the dollars and cents. You know, they're counting their money by the cent because it means a lot to them. And so when they're transacting, uh, the minute a transaction goes more than a dollar, it becomes a big deal for them because they're actually sending five dollars or ten dollars and so that's um five ten percent of the value being taken up in fees and so um the value that crypto brings in terms of low charges uh, especially you mentioned lightning network uh, i was i was mentioning to somebody the other day of how the fees and lightning network are as good as negligible, you know, it's like they don't even exist. I don't even know why they put it. It's like 5-10 if at all, you know, um, so it's, it's very cheap. Um, so the main thing uh, obviously that's, that's keeping the spread and adoption of crypto right now is the element of network effects. There isn't much because there are not many mom and pop shops that are accepting, um, so it's hard for people to say, "Let me get this, get, let me get onto this payment platform that gives me zero fees. because when I get onto it, where can I spend it? You know, what can I do with it? Uh, you mentioned a small village out in South Africa that is paying um, surfers. So not really giving the surfer a choice. They're saying, To the surfer we're giving you in crypto and oh you can use your crypto i'm not too sure you'd know better did the surfers elect to be paid in crypto yes their preference was
0: yes they're doing it voluntary it's a it's an educational program basically so um there's a surf school and 10 years ago they have been starting to uh, teach children from the township surfing for free And so Herman, the guy who is the organizer or the owner of the surf school, he said, "Um, I've heard about Bitcoin Beach and how a circular Bitcoin economy can help people in the future. And it's better to to help them to understand and use it now than in 10 years. And um, so he he shared his knowledge about Bitcoin with his coaches and they were learning everything too. So they are into it themselves now understanding the power it has, and so they've voluntarily chosen to use it. And also the senior coach, as I said, he lives in the township, so he's a peer, you know, he has trust there. And, okay. and I think so. it's not coming from top-down. I think Definitely. I'm, I'm, not, I'm against top-down.
1: Okay, I hear that. So, so I'll speak to probably um, what you're talking about, uh, the adoption in a particular village. Uh, and I was speaking about network effects. So what's stopping the, the full adoption is the element of network effects. So I'm not using it because not a lot of people are using it. Mm-hmm. But in order for a lot of people to use it, it's, it's your chicken and egg problem. That's number one. So, so people are scared. We spoke of Nigeria, we spoke of Zimbabwe. Um, businesses and entities are not allowed, or rather, let me rephrase that, Banking institutions financial institutions are not allowed to offer services to anybody who deals in crypto So if you get a mom-and-pop shop, that's just starting out and trying to make it saying hey We accept Bitcoin and at that point the regulator comes hits them on the hand sends them to the na- the naughty corner and tells them you no longer have a bank account And so people have that fear and what then crops up now is your peer-to-peer. So in Africa, one of the biggest way for for crypto to be moving right now is peer-to-peer. Um, made to believe it's a big thing in Nigeria. I'm made to believe it's also a big thing in in Zimbabwe. I can speak of those two things, those two places because I got colleagues who are resident, they're living there, working there, experiencing, and so they tell me uh, peer-to-peer is the biggest means for one to get on ramp and get off-ramp in terms of crypto.
0: And the inter- interesting thing about that, I think, is also that you actually can't measure that. So we actually don't really know how much adoption there is in these countries.
1: Indeed, indeed, because everything has been done on the blockchain and there is no KYC happening. Uh, you're not knowing where exactly these people are. you just seen a transaction has gone through. You have no idea, is this person sitting in Mombasa? Are they sitting in Cape Town? Are they in Lagos? Where exactly? You have no idea. Um, it's so. So I'd say um, from a friend that I have down in Southern Africa, um, I think he oscillates between Zimbabwe, Malawi, and and uh, Zambia. Uh, he did tell me during the COVID area, he managed to push uh, in excess of um, seven million. U.S. dollars peer-to-peer.
0: Wow. One person?
1: One person who had the network uh, sorry, and sorry. the demand was there.
0: A middleman in peer-to-peer exchanges? Like if I uh, get Bitcoin from somewhere, I need USD, I would go to this, tr- to this person?
1: So what, ha- what happened a lot of times in regards to uh, the COVID era, uh, the whole world was thrust into an unknown. You know, people were, there were lockdowns that took place, people could not move, people were now stuck at home, Uh, their works and, you know, their employment wasn't set up for working from home. And so people are thrust and told, you can't come to the office, you have to stay at home. Some people were just told, look, we have no idea uh, when you can come back to work, just stay at home. So people had access to a lot of time uh, and may have had savings they had quite a bit of savings and so what people then started doing is exploring online. So a lot of people had excess liquidity and want to get into something new and there were a number of scams that cropped up during the COVID era. Um, So people were buying crypto not because they loved the value and they believed after the March 20 crash in 2020 that the value of Bitcoin is going to go to the moon. No, people were buying it because I'm on lockdown. I can't travel. I can't do anything. Let me get into an investment so that I can start making, earning an income that ordinarily I was getting when I could leave the house. But now because I cannot leave the house, how can I earn a revenue? And so these scams cropped up. A lot of people were buying into these scams. We've read about them all over the internet. I think hundreds of millions were lost in various African countries uh, to these particular scams.
0: Yeah, so sad.
1: So so that's one of the things that I tell a lot of people when, when I try and tell them about Bitcoin and they say it's a scam. Uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is no. A lot of scams use Bitcoin to scam people. People have been scammed through PayPal. People have been scammed through the ordinary banking system, whether Amex, whether Bank of America, whatever card you have, that you've been scammed through that doesn't mean that that now is a scam. No, scammers use that medium to scam people. So the, the uphill in Africa is that a lot of people want uh, have been in poverty for a long time and would like to get out of poverty. And so they're looking for their next breakthrough. How can I get my next breakthrough? And so when they get a get-rich-quick skin that comes their way, they're like, oh great, this is it. That's my opportunity. I'm going to get out of the slums. I'm going to get out of poverty. And so they throw the little savings they have into that in order to get out of poverty, and uh, sadly a lot of them come out of it with tears.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's really a big problem. Um, So, you spoke about using crypto or Bitcoin as payment rails. It's the first thing that people need or do here. Um, I also know that a lot of people in African countries know that they, and also South American countries, that the US dollar is very stable compared to their own local currencies, and therefore everybody wants to get hold of US dollars. So, what is your experience with uh, people? Do they use stable coins? Um, maybe they even use more stable coins than Bitcoin. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Definitely,
1: Bitcoin has been the pioneer in the industry. Uh, a lot of people know Bitcoin. Um, A lot of people have gotten into crypto through Bitcoin. Uh, But because of what's been happening since uh, November 2021, uh, last year, is that in the depreciation, uh, somebody buys Bitcoin, they buy it to do a transaction, but by the time the payment settles at its point of destination, the person is claiming that, the fees or or the amount that was paid is 5% less, is 10% less. You know, you're supposed to have paid $100, you only sent 90 please send more. You're supposed to pay uh, X amount. So so the, the services that people are enjoying and paying using crypto are not denominated in Bitcoin or in any particular altcoin, save for USD. What does that mean? When somebody is trying to buy a car, somebody is trying to pay for something, they're told this is $1,000. It is not 0.2 Bitcoin or 0.5. They're not told it's so many Bitcoin. If they were quoted in how many Bitcoin it is, then it doesn't matter what the price of Bitcoin will be at any particular time. But because it's quoted in US dollars, and one has to sell, send a Bitcoin value equivalent. And so the rate of Bitcoin and the fluctuation and the volatility is what has forced a lot of people to migrate into USDT now. A stable coin. Um, because when somebody is quoted a thousand dollars, they pay in a thousand dollars. There's no surprises from that. Did you say you wanted $1,000? Yes, you did. Did you get $1,000? Yes, you did. With Bitcoin, Ethereum, Stellar, all these other cryptos, that guarantee can't be made unless the payment is instant.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you think that there are people that are using USDT, but then also say, okay, but now a part of it I want to save and I put it into Bitcoin?
1: There is an element of of the market that are doing that, Um, but that in Africa is a very low uh, percentage of people that are dealing in crypto, Uh, because a lot of people in Africa are hand-to-mouth. As soon as they get funds, it's going uh, to buy food, it's going to buy basic essentials. Um, The people you're talking about who would then say let me keep some in Bitcoin are people who can wait 5 years, 10 years to enjoy that value. And in Africa, you have very few, I'd say less than 1% of the population can say, you know what, Um, this money I can use next year or, you know, next month. A lot of people are living day to day, yeah, yeah. a lot of people in this market.
0: So, it doesn't depend if they use Bitcoin or USDT for a payment. As soon as they receive it, they exchange it to USD or local currency, is that correct? Indeed. Yeah.
1: Uh, so what happens is, people get Bitcoin in a number of ways, uh, sometimes it's through inward remittances Uh, Money is coming from somebody in their diaspora. They send it to their family back home. They choose to do it in the form of crypto. Uh, But before somebody gets that crypto, they need to know where exactly they're going to change it because they can't afford to have a loss in value. When Bitcoin was up and riding to the moon last year, a lot of people were happy to use Bitcoin because you sent me hundred dollars I wake up in the morning, it's 110 How nice. However, this year, you sent me $100, it's now $50. What happened? You know, so a lot of people can't afford to lose. Uh, they become risk adverse. They do not want to expose themselves to that risk. Because I don't have excess liquidity, when you send me money, the first thing I'm doing is I'm off ramping. I'm either changing it to food, goods, services, or I'm changing it to something stable like fiat. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Relatively stable if we think about <laughs> the Zimbabwean dollar.
1: <laughs> no. Well, well, US dollar,
0: no,
1: which which is also depreciating arguably, but it's a, a lot stabler than what I'm holding in in yeah. an African country.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I guess so, if you want to cash out uh, USDT or Bitcoin, it's also the same way you need to find a person you can trust who exchanges it for you.
1: Very few exchanges are available on the continent. Um, Binance is there, however, Binance, they do have a peer-to-peer platform. Uh, Local Bitcoins was present as well, Uh, so was Paxful. Uh, Paxful is present in Africa, it helps people on the peer-to-peer element. Um, It's it's again a chicken and egg, it's a network effect. Are there enough people in my country using this particular platform to help me on-ramp or off-ramp? I know particularly in Zimbabwe, for example, uh, there are no exchanges available to them. Um, There's rumor that Binance may have opened uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, but a lot of people make use of WhatsApp groups. They get involved in WhatsApp groups and start posting, "Hey, I've got some Bitcoin. I got some Ethereum. I got this. I got that. I'm looking for cash." And so, uh, anybody else in that particular group um, will then either tell you, "Hey, I know somebody who does it," or "I am actually interested." Let's meet up, I'll give you some cash, you give me the crypto.
0: But that's also a little bit dangerous, right? I mean, from the user perspective, but also from the person who is exchanging the money, uh, it's a little bit dangerous. What, what are the risks involved?
1: Yes, there are risks involved. Um, the kind of risk you could look at is someone can way lead you and tell you I'd like to do a cryptocurrency transaction. Either I have crypto or I have cash. Can you come with the other end? I could say to you, uh, I'd like to sell some crypto um, please come by with 50,000 US dollars. I'd like to do a 50,000 US dollar transaction. And so when you get here, um, straight away I tell you, thank you, please leave the cash and see your way out. It's those risks that can happen. Uh, And likewise, the other way I could tell you, I'd like to buy crypto. The minute you've sent me the crypto, I tell you, thanks, Um, that cash that you just finished counting, please leave it here and see your way out. So there are risks involved. Um, The risks are there. I haven't heard of uh, many incidents of where people have been physically harmed in Bitcoin transactions or crypto transactions in Africa. Uh, But then again, I don't know everything that has happened.
0: Yeah, and that happens with cash too, I mean, yeah. Indeed, indeed it does, yeah. Maybe you have a message for uh, the Bitcoin developers, builders, um, for developers here in the countries, here in Africa, um, uh, regarding uh, Bitcoin adoption and growth and usage.
1: What will spur adoption in-country, I'd say, uh, probably two things. Number one would be, uh, the element of network effects, uh, you'd, you'd want uh, higher adoption. The more people that are using it will bring on more people. Um, so that would speak to the utility. Can people use uh, crypto in-country for more than just uh, sending it to a scam? Can I go to my local supermarket and make a payment? You spoke of things like um, airtime. A time which is mobile carrier balance. Uh, can one pay for their electricity? Can one pay for their water? What? What exactly? So, so there needs to be an increase. Somebody needs to take an interest in onboarding this end of the of the market to make sure the merchants are coming on board. Um, definitely, the merchants do, or rather, will see the value and appreciate the value because the currencies that they're dealing in are losing value by, um, by the day. And so they'd love to get something a bit more stable. And also to pay their suppliers and stuff like that to be able to do it instantly at the click of a button, they would love it. So, so somebody needs to invest in this end, onboarding um, the utility side. What can Bitcoin be used for? besides peer-to-peer, besides uh, onboarding or, or going into a scam. Um, so what exactly? So other than the utility side, uh, the other end needs to be the developer side, the developing community. They need to make solutions that address the needs of the market. Um, so you did speak to a top-down approach. A lot of times people are using solutions that are not relevant to problems in Africa. Uh, people have made a solution that works in another country and jurisdiction but in Africa the needs and wants are different. And so some the the, the developer end now needs to invest uh, in time and energy to understand what are the unique problems in Africa. So how money works in Africa is very different to how it works in the Western world. Um, In terms of how it's losing value, in terms of how it moves, in terms of the charges, there's a whole lot of uh, nuances in respective markets in Africa when it comes to how money is dealt with. And so the developer community now needs to invest in understanding what these unique problems are. Obviously, best would be people in country to be speaking to developers and saying, hey, if you're making something for Africa, make sure it addresses this, make sure it addresses that, because these are our problems.
0: I completely agree. And I know of some educational programs for African developers who are interested in learning about how to develop for Bitcoin. Uh, One is called Kuala. Another one is the B-Trust. And then I think it's something like the uh, summer Bitcoin Summer School or something, I have to look it up. But there are even po- uh, possibilities for African developers um, to learn about Bitcoin for free. And even more, some even have a scholarship. So then the students are sponsored. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. But I think there has to be more of that. Yeah.
1: Indeed. And it's, because yeah. the
0: potential is huge. So, so that's what will
1: increase the adoption. Um, increasing the adoption is one, getting the, the the merchants on board, more merchants. So increasing the utility of crypto. Uh, but in doing that you need developers making the rails, making the technology that aids that to happen. Um, so it needs developers in country or developers that are liaising with people in country and working to give solutions that are relevant.
0: What would you say, because it just comes to my mind, I think one point which is also very important about Bitcoin adoption is to, to share the knowledge of self-custody and how to custody your coins yourself. Because if you have it on an exchange, it's the same as you are using the banking system. Um, what would you say about that?
1: There definitely is a need uh, for an awareness. Uh, however, I think the amount of exchanges that people have been using in Africa that have gone belly up versus to what they've been exposed to in country, uh, they'd rather, rather the one devil than the other. You know, That's maybe how people would look at it. Some of these exchanges would help them to on ramp or off ramp easily uh, when they'd want to get into an off, off fiat. Uh, so maybe that's why some people may do uh, the custodial route. Um, but yes, there is a need for that. But again, people only realize it when they get burnt, yeah. um, sadly. And so, yes. Um, I, I do think there is a need for education in the market on that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I know that there are solutions coming up uh, which will be some sort of in-between, you know. You don't have to self-custody your seed yourselves, which is difficult for many people in terms of security. They live in, they live in difficult uh, circumstances. Um, but they also don't have then to go to uh, exchanges where you have a third party and you also are, uh, um, you, you have some risks there. So it will be some sort of, in, in, in between those two levels, um, like a federated community bank, you can say, where several trusted people of a community, that the community is already existing, people know each other. And you have some people uh, who, are very, um, you can trust, who are very trusted in the community, and they can hold the keys for the community together without someone like one peop- one person or so can run with the money um but that's a solution that will come next year i will sign you i up. love it's, the it's, idea. Called, it's called fedi oh nice yeah nice and um so what i also hear is and i'm not sure if there's something like that on the market already i think the bitcoin beach wallet has something that's called stable subs um, but um, there might be, I guess, also a market for wallets that marry, in a way, USDT and Bitcoin, where you could easily swap, maybe, you know, like from the, the USDT is my payment rails account, and if I can, if I am able to afford to save a little bit, then I can just swap it into Bitcoin. Don't know.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, you, you're you coming up with some good things. Um, can I, can I be holding on to Bitcoin? Uh, can I have some kind of stability tied to it? Uh, can I pass on the risk to somebody else at a fee? Um, I'd be interested in something like that. Uh, secondly, would be, can I be holding on to Bitcoin and not need to change it into anything, but as I pay, it is then changed to something that my recipient or, or my supplier who I'm paying would want. So my supplier says, I only take USDT. I don't need to change out of Bitcoin. Or if I take, uh, I'm holding on to USDT and my supplier says, I only take Bitcoin, you know, some way, some payment gateway helps and aids the switching. Yeah, in that.
0: yeah. I know that people are working on that. So. The future, I hope, looks bright. Um, What would you say, have we forgotten anything in that uh, conversation that you want to tell our listeners? Something to add?
1: Um, Well, probably uh, the needs in Africa are a bit different. They are a bit nuanced. Uh, A lot of people are living from hand to mouth. And so the adoption of crypto will be for something else. Uh, not necessarily for the utopian uh, hodl ideology uh, but a lot of people want to use it as a payment rail Um, so the need for crypto to solve um, payments in Africa is huge Uh, not a lot of people in Africa can afford to stack sets. Uh, however if the two can be done Uh, I think I was sharing with somebody the other day and I was saying to them that you know people in Africa used to pay in high and exorbitant fees but if those fees can be lowered uh, and while they be lowered on that payment that has been made a percentage of the fees are going towards me stacking sets oh so
0: you just you mean like that some sets are automatically being saved,
1: sent, sent
0: into Bitcoin, maybe.
1: Correct. Correct. And probably locked up uh, that I access it in three years. Three years. And it, it, it was the fees. So I can turn on do I want a 1% fee? Do I want a 2% fee? Uh, people in Africa are used to paying fees as much as 5%, you were saying, uh, in Zimbabwe. Yeah, I heard even 20%. Yes, people are used to paying fees that are exorbitant, so I could reduce the fees, uh, reduce my fee to 1%, but in that 1%, maybe 50% of that value is going towards stacking sites.
0: Yeah, that's a great idea, I think. (laughs) Um, Yeah, thank you very much. So, last question. I understand you have, help, have been helping other people exchanging Bitcoin to US dollars and the other way around and USDT for several years now. Um, how was there a growth? Did you see a growth in people from, I don't know when you started, maybe 2017 or something, I don't know, until now? What has changed?
1: Uh, COVID. COVID came and spread um, the number of transactions, the number of people. Uh, because of the lockdowns that were taking place, a lot of people were trying to get into and out of crypto. Um, because crypto was being used as a payment rail and people could not travel, uh, a lot of people got into crypto due to them. So the biggest um, fuel, jet fuel, rocket fuel that took place in, in adoption was covid And no, this is not me asking for another COVID to come back. Um, But definitely that did did do something to to the adoption.
0: And have you seen people stop using it again after the price went down?
1: Uh, Not because of the price going down, but more because um, lockdowns have gone away and people can now freely move. Uh, So that value that they were wanting to transact, they can now jump in a vehicle, jump in an aeroplane, go to the other destination and deliver that cash. So it's not necessarily because the value of uh, Bitcoin, but it's more because um, the lockdowns have been done away with and now people can freely move.
0: Yeah, because I always say, I always believe that when people here have experienced how easy it is to send Bitcoin, let's say, from... I don't know, Kenya to Zimbabwe or South Africa, I mean, that it's even possible <laughs> is a huge uh, thing for them. And I think they won't go back then anymore, you know? You won't say, oh, it worked brilliantly with Bitcoin, but now I'm using the banking system again.
1: Sure. So the only problem uh, with crypto in Africa is the liquidity problem. There isn't much liquidity. There's not much Uh, Crypto that is circulating and so people pay a high premium in order to get their hands on Bitcoin So remember people don't want Bitcoin because it's Bitcoin people want Bitcoin because of what Bitcoin can do for them Bitcoin can settle this payment for me and so when there's a high fee attached to me procuring that Bitcoin So so moving Bitcoin is very cheap with the Lightning Network with the various Means, you know network fees have gone down right now to cents you know uh, or let's say even a dollar if you want to be extravagant but the cost of one acquiring that Bitcoin one has to pay a premium anywhere between 3 uh, to 20% extra that's what people are paying to get so it doesn't become much of an option only to those who want and believe in Bitcoin are willing to pay that fee. Whereas if somebody can find an alternative, does Skrill, does PayPal, does these various means, do they allow me to do what I want to do? Do they allow me to settle that payment instantly at a lesser cost than what Bitcoin does? Then they'll go ahead and use that instead. So, obviously, yes, there needs to be a bit more liquidity in market. Uh, The more Bitcoin that is circulating and available in Africa, it will definitely bring the price down.
0: Yeah, but that's like the hand and egg problem again, right? So, we need to wait a little bit. I mean, do what we do and I think time will show.
1: (laughs) Fingers crossed.
0: (gasps) Okay. Thank you very much.
1: Anita, it's It's been been my pleasure. Uh, Thank you. I've I've enjoyed it. you sharpened my memory on a lot of things, uh, but yes, I'm definitely bullish on crypto in Africa. Thanks.
0: That's it. Thanks for joining. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to my newsletter at news to get all updates into your mailbox for free. If you can afford, please support my work with a donation at donate or become a Patreon on patreon.com slash Posch. A special thank you goes out to the Human Rights Foundation, which is uniting the world to stand against tyranny, Paxful, the peer-to-peer Bitcoin exchange, Laden, financial services for holders of digital assets, and OKCoin, the globally licensed cryptocurrency exchange. Music, Late Truth by AudioHertz. See you soon at the Anita Po Show.